What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to have on the legend Frida Payne, and she was on the podcast via Zoom video. Frida was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, and talks about how she got into music, started playing piano at a very early age. Her piano teacher was actually the one that realized that she had an incredible voice and she should be pursuing singing. She comes from a musical household. Her sister was in the Supremes. Frida talks about some early talent shows that she was in, moving to New York, getting her first record deal while living in New York. We hear about the major success of the song Band of Gold. She talks about her time on Broadway, her tribute to Ella Fitzgerald, having the opportunity to work with Jeff Goldblum, actually uh, performing on Jeff Goldblum's new album, the song Lazy Afternoon, and she did that on Jimmy Kimmel with Jeff Goldblum as well. So she talks about that and all of the music she has coming out and what she has moving forward, a bunch of dates, and she's actually returning to Michigan to perform as Ella Fitzgerald in a tribute to Ella Fitzgerald. So she talks about that quite a bit as well. You can watch our interview with Frida on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Frida Payne. Amazing. Well, I'm Adam, and uh, this is about you and your journey in music. And uh, we'll talk about uh, the new songs you have and um, what you have going on. Okay, fine. Awesome. So uh, we'll start back. We're born and raised in Detroit. Is that what I read? Yeah, I was born and raised in Detroit. And uh, I lived in Detroit and. Until I was 18, I went to New York to live and I stayed, I was back and forth, you know, but I lived there really seven to eight years and I can't, I would come back to record when I signed with Invictus and that was like in the late sixties Invictus wow. records that was with Holland Dozier and Holland of Motown. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then after that, um, I lived, uh, in New York, and then I moved out here in '71. And to I LA moved is that where you're at now? Yeah, where? Okay. Well, not in the same house where I'm at, but I came here in '71. Mm -hmm. uh, what brought me here was I was suing my record label Invictus. <laughs> oh wow! So it basically, I had attorneys here. I got my attorneys. Uh, it turned out that they were located in Century City. O'Melveny and Myers, and they said, we want to sue from California, not from Detroit, not in Detroit. Uh, and they so I they said I should register to vote here and uh, get a California driver's license and the rest. I've I've never lived any other place, you know, other than California. But of course, I travel all over the world. So I'm always you know, jumping on a plane, going somewhere. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Wow. Okay. So just to back up quite a bit here. So you lived, you born and raised in Detroit and then you moved to New York. You said at 18, um, yeah. but you, you come from a, a very, I mean, musical household with your, your sister being in the Supremes and 
um, all of that. But like growing up, was music something that you were always uh, kind of drawn to? Were you put in piano lessons, anything like that growing up? Oh, yeah. My mother started me with piano lessons when I was like about six years old. Wow. And I thought I was five for some reason. But no, I think I was six or seven years old. I started piano. And, uh, and that went on for like about five or six years. And, uh, and then that kind of led me into singing because I would, aside from doing the, you know, the regular classical standard piano lesson material that most people are familiar with who study mm -hmm. piano, uh, I would go to the music store downtown Detroit and I would see the Gershwin song books, the Cole Porter song books. Rogers and Hart. And I think the first one I bought was like the Rogers and Hart song book. I saved up my little nickels and dimes <laughs> and quarters. And I bought that one. And then I kind of I started buying. I started checking out Gershwin and I started teaching myself all the, like a lot of standards. And um, that kind of led me into to singing. I didn't start really singing until I was 12. And that's because my music, my piano teacher is mm -hmm. the one who discovered that I had a voice that was a little better than normal. And uh, and she said, you know, Frida, you ought to, you know, pursue this. And and I did. That's what happened. Wow. Was your sister already involved in music at this point? Uh, my sister was she was taking piano lessons along with me. Okay. But she wasn't she. She she was an outgoing person. She she was that kind of kid that was always up in your face and and you know a little bit a little bit precocious and inventive and imaginary. But that's what that was her talent because because of that that would lead her into being a great writer. Mm -hmm. She has a, a, an imagination uh, to create things, and she's a great writer. She's written scripts. Uh, plays and uh, and songs. She's written a lot. She wrote a lot of songs. Yeah. Wow. And then for you, though, I mean, you guys were kind of doing it at the same time. And when your piano teacher realized that you you had a great voice, was that something that you then started to really uh, pursue down that avenue versus continuing along with piano? Uh. No, I didn't. After I found out that I could sing and I start singing, I wanted to work with people who could really play. Okay. Piano, you know, not yeah. just me thumbing it up here and there. And then I wasn't the kind of singer. Uh, I, I was like some people are what you call a natural. They just mm -hmm. have an ability to pick up the piano. And some people can just play the piano well and never had a lesson. Right. It, it's like a it's like a, a blessing. It's like a, <laughs> a, gift. a gift that they were given, you know, to be able to pick up the music just like that. Mm -hmm. It's I don't it's it's you can't explain it. All you can say is that it must be God or it must be reincarnation. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> or something like that. It's an anointing. Yes. Wow. So from there, I mean, from what I was just reading about you, you did like uh, you were doing like radio jingles. You're singing those. Before, was that prior to moving to New I York? I read 
Yeah, no, I was in Detroit doing that. I rec- I had I used to do some radio jingles. That's why I had to join after when I was 16. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I joined after when I was 16 and uh yeah, cuz I I was doing radio commercials. That's cool. I mean, getting that first one must have been really exciting to hear yourself on the radio. Oh, yeah. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you moved to New York to what? Continue pursuing music? Uh, to pursue my musical career, yeah. See what I could do. And you get there while there you get discovered and signed, or what? Like what, I did. what was that oh, like? Oh yeah. Okay. While there, um, I let's say I got an agent, and that was Sidney Bernstein who, by the way, became a very well-known agent. He was with GAC, mm-hmm. and he is the agent who brought, who first booked the Beatles over here in America. Oh, wow. That, yeah, Sidney That's Burst, a credit. He was, he was a, when I think back on him, I have nothing but fond and good memories. He was a decent, good man, mm-hmm. and he was my agent. And, uh, and then my first record, matter of fact, he was instrumental in helping me get my first record deal. And that was with ABC Paramount. Okay. And, and was I that, got that was before the um, uh, Invictus record? That was before Invictus and Band of Gold. Okay. I was with ABC Paramount my fir- and I did a single and then I did an album and they put me on their jazz label called Impulse. Okay. Impulse. And people like John Coltrane, Duke Ellington. Oh, geez. I didn't uh, all these wow, biggies. A, yeah. it, it, was, it was like being on Blue Note, but it was, you know, of course, affiliated with ABC Paramount, and they yeah. called it Impulse. Yes, wow. a legendary label. When you get signed, I mean, and back then, you, even up until fairly recently, I mean, getting a record deal was like it, right? I mean, now with the internet and, and streaming and people are kind of, uh, like you know paving a different way about the industry uh, but then it was like you get signed to a label that was like you were kind of like a rock star at that moment right oh well i well at least i was making progress yeah no i mean but to, to be on a label with those people like what changes once you get signed to that to that label well what changes is that you can say and your resume your bio that you were an artist with uh, Impulse, mm-hmm. although I only did one album. And, uh, and that was After the Lights Go Down Low and Much More. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you get the album and read the, the liner notes and the musicians, there are a lot of, well, like, like star, star musicians that played on that session. Wow. And I was a total unknown. Yeah, I mean, to get that opportunity, that's massive. I mean, obviously, they yeah. were correct and saw something in you, and you were able to go on and, and create such an amazing I've career. Been lucky. I've been lucky. I've been, I've been blessed. I've been lucky in my career when I look back on it. Yeah. I mean, it could have gone the other way, and I could have gotten discouraged and just gone back to Detroit. And, uh, of course, if I went back to Detroit, I probably would have wound up with being on Motown. <laughs> <laughs> Which wouldn't have been so bad, I guess, either. I don't know. 
Um, well, I had an opportunity. I mean, that wasn't in the it, Motown wasn't in the cards for me. I'll just put it that way. Okay. okay. It just so, wasn't in the cards. So once the you know once you put that album out with, with ABC Paramount and um yeah you had your career going. Do you when do, when do you land uh, on Invictus and, and was that a part of Band of Gold and that whole in that whole uh you know that single and that doing that whole well era. it did yeah that whole era. Well, when I, um, okay, I was living in Detroit when Brian Holland, you know, of, of Eddie Holland is his brother. So that's Holland, Dozier and Holland mm-hmm. was uh, visiting a friend of his in New York. And her name was, her name is Tamiko Jones. And she was a singer herself. I don't know where Tamiko is to this day right now. I think she still lives in Atlanta, Georgia, but she was living in New York at the time. And mm-hmm. we were actually living in a an apartment complex called uh, Century Park Central Central Park West. And there were several high rise buildings, and they were they were nice apartment buildings. And it was located right on Central Park West. And also it, it uh, encompassed 97th Street all up and down there, all the way down to uh, Amsterdam. Right, Amsterdam. Or, or is it Columbus? No, it's Columbus. I'm getting confused. <laughs> I'm anyway, terrible with geography. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, whatever you say, I'm going to go. Sure, or, that makes oh, sense. I'm so well, bad. Amsterdam was closer, closer to Broadway and Columbus was like closer, like was close to uh, Central Park West. So, yeah, right. So my apartment was located between Columbus Avenue and Central Park West, but I was right on the corner. And anyway, I get a call from her. She had she was in the high rise next next to mine, you know, so all I had to do was just kind of like just walk over there and. And she said, guess who's visiting me right now? And he says he knows you. I said, who? She said, Brian Holland. I said, oh, Brian, I know Brian. We went, we were in high school together. So he got on the phone and said, what are you, are you busy? I said, not at the moment. He says, why don't you come over? I want to see you. I want to say hi. And I did. And we talked and he was questioning me about was I with a record label? I said I was on ABC Paramount and with an impulse, but I'm not, I, I just, they didn't pick up my option. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you have a manager? I said, I had a manager for like almost five years, Joe Scandori. I said, but that relationship kind of like came to an end just recently. He said, well, you might want to come with us because we just formed our own label Invictus. I said, what, you're not with Motown anymore? He says, oh no, we left. We just had some, we were disgruntled. We just had some, you know, we wanted to branch off on our own and have our own label. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happened. And uh, he said, I'm going to call my brother, Eddie. And uh, you talk to him because he's the president of the record label. And Eddie, I talked to Eddie. He called and I, I don't know who called who, but anyway, um, he said, he, he invited me to come to Detroit and say, you know, maybe you want to sign, would like to sign with us. And so I flew into Detroit. They brought me into Detroit. And um, the rest is history. I signed with them and that was it. Wow. Uh, 
we actually recorded a bunch of songs in 1969, including Band of Gold. And uh, the first release came out, the f- came out in November of 1969, and that was called The Unhooked Generation. And I love that song. The track was really slamming. Okay. Didn't stick. The following year, 1970, they released Band of Gold. I think it was in January, January or February of, of uh, 1970. And by the spring and summer, Band of Gold was the hottest rec- record. You could hear it everywhere. Yeah. It, it is a ma- I mean, obviously, it's still a massive hit. It, it, the the song itself, I did. I, I think I read something about you didn't uh, something with the lyrics like you, you know, like you were kind of reluctant to oh, it's like thinking that it, the song was too adolescent for me. Yeah. Here I was like 28. I said, I'm a grown woman. I mean, this like but that night on our but not that night on our honeymoon, we stayed in separate rooms. I said, that sounds kind of. Adolescent to me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, I said, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I'm, I was like comparing the song lyrics to me. Sure. Right. Because you're the one singing them, right? I mean, they would, um, you would imagine they, that they want them to resonate with your, you and your story. Yeah. So I was like, and it's funny. A lot of these singers who become really famous, really big. I mean, much bigger and much more famous than, than I became. Um, they have songs that are kind of controversial. Like remember that remember that singer um, yeah you know who it, you know what I'm talking about remember her first big hit was um, I kissed a girl and oh I yeah liked- yeah Katy Perry Katy Perry now yeah. that was controversial at the time I know yeah and she came I, from like a Christian record label originally yeah. too which is super also, interesting also her, her father was a, a preacher uh huh you know a, a you know in the um you know the you know uh, uh uh, had his own church. Yeah. And uh, so she came from a really decent background. And so, but that kind of like catapulted her into a whole nother thing. And then she went on and had more hits after that. Yeah, she, exactly. Yeah, she has a talent. Now she's like on American Idol and obviously just one of the biggest artists on the planet. But oh, yeah. She, but she, she made it. I'll put it. Yeah, she made it. Big time. Yeah, no, definitely. Wow. But having a massive hit like that, I mean, to have Band of Gold on everywhere you could possibly hear it, it was playing. Uh, well, I mean, do you, when you sing the song, and I mean, obviously you, you're like, eh, I don't know if this lyrics really work for me, and then you do it, and then it just explodes. Was that hard to kind of, were you, do you just kind of have to live in the moment, or like, how do you, you know? I just, moment, I just, I decided when I signed with Invictus, you see, I was more into cabaret and jazz. Mm-hmm. I was into R&B. But when I went with them, I decided I wanted to get a hit and I'll do what I have to do in order to get a hit. So I didn't impose my jazz chops when I was in that recording studio in that sound booth. I okay. just I followed directions and Eddie Holland was the one who directed me mm-hmm. and then f- uh, that's why i mean and so moving forward after that record's a hit are you back in the studio all the time like from there are they like okay you know frida's 
killing it right now. We got to keep getting more records out. Like, are they throwing and, and yeah, that, is that kind of that the momentum? That did happen, you know, because Band Go was such a big, big hit. I think the follow up single was deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and was a mediocre hit. It didn't quite do what Band of Gold did. And then I had one called Cherish What is Dear to You. And then you brought the joy. And a year later, they came out. They gave me a song called Bring the Boys Home. Yeah, another that, massive song. And that was my second gold record. Wow. To get that, I mean, even having a few, but all not that the other songs weren't hits. I mean, they were all charting songs. Right. They were. I mean, that's, a pretty, that's pretty incredible to see that happen, right? Where you put out one and it's massive and then to continually follow that up because a lot of artists will have the one you know the one hit wonder story where it's like they did the one thing and then it kind of didn't work out after the fact but i mean you got a lot of validation to continue on having hit after hit after hit and then of course bring the boys home is another gigantic song that gets you another gold record absolutely yeah that's true um, from that, like, I know you've done a bunch of other you've acting and, uh, you hosted a show, a TV show and, and all these other things. Are you during those, that time period, are you always still, um, keeping music as like the main focus Were you always, uh, recording and, and working on songs? Well, during that period, you mean, was I mean, I like kind of, at, yeah, like in the, now we take it like say in the, in the eighties, like early, mid to early eighties. Yeah. Well, what happened in the 80s, I started doing a lot of theater. Okay. Remember, I'm a singer, act slash actress. Um, I started doing like the Broadway show, Duke Ellington's Sophisticated Ladies. That was on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Well, when they played Vegas. The Vegas company was, was a sit down for eight months in Vegas at the Desert Inn. Uh, they booked me to... Uh, star in it along with Paula Kelly and and Harold Nicholas of the Nicholas brothers and so I did that for eight months in Vegas I was living there for eight months and then I did um, another tour of Duke Ellington sophisticated ladies in 85 and that was a year I was even all over the country that was like we were touring all over the country and then between, let's see, let's see, 82, 83, and then 84, oh, you know, I did other dates. Yeah, and then I did other club dates and uh, maybe went to Europe, you know, to the UK to do a tour mm-hmm. with somebody like a Percy Sledge or somebody like that, or, uh, other R&B artists who were performing as well. And then in, let's see, let's see, 85, and then... Uh, I just did a lot of, like I did some theater. I, like I said, I did some theater. And then in 90, and then I did nightclubs. And mm-hmm. then in 90, 1990, I did another musical. Uh, it was called The Blues in the Night. And that, what, that was uh, another experience here in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Theater Center. And I did that for like two or three months. Wow. And then I went on to, uh, and we also toured, we did a company in Japan, and that was in 93, I believe, 93. 
And then I did Jelly's Last Jam, which was another big hit on Broadway starring Gregory Hines. Wow. And Keith David and Tanya Pinkins. And uh, I was in that. I, I was one of the headliners in that, along with Savion Glover, the great tap dancer, Savion Glover. And um, I toured a whole year in Jelly's Last Jam. And that was in 95. And then again, and then I've gone to, you know, Europe and Canada. And, and in the meantime, like I said, I work clubs and also performing arts centers. Uh, I have been over the last, let's say, 15 or 20 years, I've been doing my tribute to Ella Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm. Ella passed away in um, June of 1996. And then, um, in 2004, I was cast in a play called Ella Fitzgerald, First Lady of Song, which was directed and choreographed by Maurice Hines. And I, of course, was the headliner because I was playing Ella Fitzgerald. Wow. And then I did that. Um, that first one was done in New Brunswick. Crossroads. It's a regional theater in New Brunswick, New Brunswick, New Jersey, and it's called Crossroads. Mm -hmm. I there, and then I did it again. And uh, ten years later, I did it again in um, uh, Alexandria, Virginia, at a theater called Metro Stage. And uh, and then that was another one. With I got great reviews. I got rave reviews. And then I did it another time. The last. Then I did it in two thousand and. 18 in Wilmington, Delaware at the Delaware theater once mm -hmm. again. And then I just did it last year in 2022. Uh, we did it at uh, a theater called the Madison theater in um, uh, New York in uh, Rockville, New York, which is really long Island. And I did it there. And, and by wow. the way, when I did it there, I won an award. It's called the Adulco awards. And uh, it's uh, it's a theatrical award, and I won Best Leading Actress in a Musical, so I received a, an award for that as well. That's incredible. Do you? So uh, well, yeah. And you got the Lifetime Achievement Award. You're, I mean, insane. I've got several Lifetime Achievement Awards, but oh, and it looks like I'm going to be doing an Ella again next year. In Michigan, of all places. Oh wow! Coming yeah, coming Rochester, back home with it. Yeah, Rochester, Michigan. Uh, I don't know what's the name of this theater. Anyway, it's going to be a year from now in May, and I'll be doing it there for like a, I think a four week or a six week run. Whoa! To to be that, I mean, obviously Broadway and and and, and musicals are a huge part of your journey. Was that something that you? I mean, aside from cutting a, a record and touring just as a musician, do you prefer like, I'm, that must be a totally different uh, thing to, to approach going into like a Broadway show. Cause not only are you having to sing and you have to act and do all these things at the same time. Mm -hmm. Do you, I mean, what were, I mean, do you enjoy that more so, or, or it was a kind of uh, you, you like them both. No, it was like, it was, it was a situation where, you have more than like a mouse. You have more than one hole to run into. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do I say it? Yeah. But 
Oh, I, also, I, I left something out. When you mentioned the musicals and all this, the Broadway uh-huh. shows, I actually, my first experience in a real Broadway show was in 1967 when I was booked to do uh, to do be the understudy to Leslie Uggams in a show called Hallelujah Baby, which was a hit show. Mm-hmm. That was acting. That was more acting. That was acting and singing, but more acting than singing. But it was oh, both. Wow. And I, Ella, and, and matter of fact, Leslie won her first Tony Award for that show. That was her first Tony Award for Hallelujah Baby. Wow. So I did that in 67, going into 68. And I actually, uh, I was the only understudy to ever go on and do the show out full. Right, out full. And uh, I did it five times. I was on, I did the role five different nights. Oh, wow. Yeah, because usually it, you're just there in case of like an, more of an emergency situation, right? And then to come emergency out. Emergency or the, yeah. the, the lead person gets sick. Right. Can't, can't go on. Or, or something like you said, an emergency. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Ella I did. So I did a lead role on Broadway in in a major late. I'm the first. I was the first person on that stage at at the opening when the curtain cut when the cur- curtain first comes up, and I'm the last person on that stage when the curtain goes down. Wow! What a moment. Yes. Yeah, so that was a that was one of my aha moments. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to have another aha moment, and I'm gonna be on Broadway again. Are, are you, or are you just throwing that into the ethos? I'm throwing that into the ethos. <laughs> you can, making, I can see you do. I saw you on Jimmy Kimmel like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was on Still Jimmy. Killing it. Yeah, I was with there with uh, Jeff Goldblum, the actor, uh-huh. who also a wonderful, a wonderful musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a wonderful jazz pianist. He really is. And a wonderful human being. You're on his, on the record, aren't you? With uh, I'm a song. Album. I'm on his album. Yeah, the new one. The, the new the, album he just put out. The new one he just put out. And I'm singing Lazy Afternoon, the song that we did on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh-huh. What was that like? I mean, getting a chance to work with him. Did he reach out to you? Just, I mean, well, you're a legend, what obviously. was his manager reached out to me first. And then that's how that all happened. I actually, I was, it was back in late. It was like either the first week of September or the late August. I get an email from um, John Maestro, his manager. And uh, he kept, he asked me would I be interested in doing a song on, um, on Jeff's album. And the song is lazy afternoon. They had already, they already had cut the track. Oh, wow. And, if the key was okay if not they could change it and i want so i wound up recording the song at the theater the madison theater you know in one of the rooms and uh with a, a sound guy that was uh one of the sound guys for the show for the uh you know for our play ella fitzgerald wow so, really uh, yeah it, was, it wasn't in a like a you know, like a proper, you didn't go to a studio specifically no, what, just to record it wasn't that. A proper studio, I got to tell you. <laughs> but after I, he, after they got the, um, you know, the master of it, and they had it, I guess they had it mixed and everything, and and his his uh, 
album is on the Decca label. So he's got he's actually got a label on Decca, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. That's yeah. you know. And uh, so they, you know, they kind of like, I guess, tweaked it and and made it better. That's awesome. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really cool seeing you on that. Because um, I didn't I even know he thrilled. had a he had a. I was so thrilled. It was so nice. And Jimmy is such a great. He is such a nice guy. He had a lot of nice things to say about you just in the interview with uh, before you were even on. I mean. Yes. Yes, he did. He said I, he just you know, had Jeff on my, the couch. He said, you're one of my favorite singers. And I'm saying to myself, is he just saying that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I mean, he seemed very sincere about it, especially when he had, you know, when he was talking to Jeff about the album on on the couch. I didn't even realize that uh, he was a sing, like a, a musician just because of his, you know, the, the credits he has acting and, and the films that he's been in. I know, I know. I first met him like about 10 years ago, maybe 12, 11. Uh, and it was at this little club in, in Hollywood. Um, on, it's located on Vine. They've, they've changed the name of this little club about three times or four, four times. But anyway, uh, it was one of those nights where it was sort of like, it was like a open mic type thing. And I was there. I sang, my sister sang, my niece um they had a little band you know a guy playing the sax and drummer and and somebody playing guitar bass and uh angela's i'll tell you who was there beverly todd was there angela bassett mary wilson uh it was just one of those nights you know mm-hmm. and he was jeff goldblum was there and he played for me when i got up to sing he said what do you want to sing i said do you know but not for me or all of me, you know, and he mm-hmm. knew it. And by wow. ear, what key? And I said B flat. And he played <laughs> it. And I said, God, you can really play. That's interesting. And then obviously you, you then you link back up and you're on the album, and that's so incredible. Yeah. So he must have rem- he must have uh, remembered something. Well, yeah, and not the you know, and you're obviously a legend, and he would know probably who you were despite <laughs> but having that connection yeah. i'm sure really it could have helped a, a bit yeah uh-huh, uh-huh and you're still releasing music i mean aside from doing that project you're doing you still put out music and is that something that you you know you'll continue to do oh sure i did an album that came out and was it it was released like two we recorded it in 2019 i believe you had one, you had like an EP or something or t- album in 2021, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this album, by the way, it was four duets. And then I did a song by myself. So it was like an EP. Mm-hmm. I did a duet with Johnny Mathis. <laughs> wow. It was with Big Band and Strings, D.D. Uh, Bridgewater, Kenny Lattimore, and Kurt Elling. Wow. So I had the best of the best in every category. Yeah, I was going to say. And was that something, were you able to s- seek people out and, and want, okay, I want this person on the album and well, kind of actually, arrange it that it was, way? It was produced by Rodrigo Rios. Rodrigo is a drummer from Brazil. Okay. Not Big familiar. guy. He's, uh, uh, he's Brazilian, but, he's, but his lineage is Italian. Oh, interesting. And he had come to to the you know 
to LA, you know, to play with some people and do some things and do some recording sessions. And um, he had come to my show. He came to my, see one of my shows. I think it was at either Vibrato or Catalina Barn Grill. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know what? He says, I want to do an album with you. And I said, okay. At first, he <laughs> to, at first he wanted to do an album on um, of Ella Fitzgerald, you know, honoring Ella Fitzgerald. And then uh, he said, no, let's, let's do something uh, else. I want to do um, some duets. I want to do some duets. And that's how it happened. And he's the one that reached out to Johnny. Oh, and kind of orchestrated and, that end of it. Now, Johnny knows me, knows who I am. I mean, you were like, um, we used to be neighbors, you know, when I lived over in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, wow. And so Johnny, uh, con uh, you know, consented, said he would love to do a duet with me. And then he reached out to D.D. Bridgewater and D.D. knows me, you know, and mm -hmm. she said yes. And then I knew I had a, a friendship with Kenny Lattimore. So I knew him. So he said yes. <laughs> and then he reached out to Kurt Elling. I didn't know. I mean, I know of Kurt Elling. He is a fan. He is a tremendous, fantastic jazz artist. He's one of the best. He's really one of the best. And his scatting is off the chain. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't really know him, didn't have a contact with him. I really was shocked that he said yes. But he said yes. And so now I got, uh, it's called, uh, a, the title of the album is Let There Be Love, which is the song I did with Kenny Lattimore, by the way. Okay. And... Um, and then I came out with another single. I, got, I just came out with a single just a few months, uh, just a few months ago last year. And that was called Do You Still Dream About Me? Mm -hmm. That was written by Sammy McKinney. And I had actually recorded that song back that came out like around 2000 and, uh, and 2006. But it never went anywhere. You know, it was on a it was on an album that uh, never really got quite released called On the Inside. And I always loved that song. Uh, the song was actually commercially recorded by Nancy Wilson back in the 80s. But I'm the first person to ever, ever sing it because I was the guy who wrote it was a close friend. And um, I did the demo. I did the demo on it. And oh, I was really I was wondering about that because uh, you put that it was a I thought it was a cover and then I didn't. But wow. So you recorded the original demo that then got yeah, sung. I recorded the original demo, which was supposed to have been a deal for me at Columbia. But what okay. happened was um, they turned the tables on me and they signed Nancy Wilson instead. So I couldn't complain about that because Nancy was <laughs> such a big star already, you know, and I was like, yeah. oh, darn it. But then you had an opportunity to release it yourself later. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. So that that stuff like that happens. Yeah, definitely. I um, mean, do you have if, a interview, if you ever interview Thelma Houston, you'll hear she's got her stories to tell. <laughs> I'll have to make a note of that. Um, and I'll put that in the I'll let you put that in the ethos for me to get her on the show. Um, but uh, I was going to say, so. You put out the that that song. Do you have more songs that you've recorded recently, or um, obviously you have the Ella Fitzgerald thing coming up? But aside from that, are you 
there was Planning another song more music? Did, um, uh, on the uh, on a on, on the uh, sound of L.A. label with Michael mm -hmm. Sutton, it's called uh, "Just to Be with You." I did that one too. That's, That's recent, a, then. Yeah, that was last year. That came out last year, last summer. It's called "Just to Be with You." Mm -hmm. And that was on the sound of L.A. You said the sound of L.A. Okay, it was so a the singles with them. Just to be with you, and then do you still dream about me? Amazing. Amazing. And then you've got obviously the Ella Fitzgerald. You said that you have another show coming up for that. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll be doing that in I won't be doing that till July mm -hmm. in Wichita, Kansas. And then I'll be doing I'm Detroit working to our Michigan. You have it coming up, too. Right. You said that's a year from now. The play. And that's oh, that's a year from now. OK. And that's going to be in Rochester, Michigan, which is not which is like a suburb of Detroit. Mm -hmm. wow. And then, oh, and then I'm doing um, Catalina Barn Grill. I will be performing in concert May 13th at the Catalina Barn Grill. Is that on Catalina Island? I don't even really no, know. No. Okay. I was like, I'm not sure where that is. I, no. I'm from San Diego, yeah. but I live in Tennessee now, but uh, it's interesting. Oh, okay. 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 It's in Hollywood. Oh, it is in Hollywood. Okay. It's on, it's on Sunset Boulevard and McCatton Place. It's a block from Highland. Boulevard. Okay. It's like a block. Uh, like if you're going east, it's a block east of Highland. You're going west. It's before you get to Highland. Highland. Okay. I'm familiar with that. I know where that the is then. Bar and Grill Jazz Club. Look at it. Go on the website. Look it up. I will. I'm going to do that right now. A lot of top acts work there. Amazing. Well, thank yeah. you, Frida, for doing this. I really appreciate your time today. This has been so cool getting to know you and uh, hearing your story. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I have one more quick question before I let you go. If that's cool. Okay. Uh, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Well, all I can say is what, you hear all the time, but it, but it still is true. Continue to pursue what you love to do, your art. Uh, work on it. Whatever, you know, perform as much as you can. Nowadays, it's uh, you get on YouTube, you put something online, you do TikTok, performing. Uh, you do get into talent shows. That's why we have today. It's the American Idol. It's the voice. It's uh, what's the other one? American Idol, the voice. What's the other one? Uh, uh, X Factor was, was one. Or I don't know whatever. if they feel that. Uh, no, uh, America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. Uh, American Idol, the voice. Those are the three. And that today in these times, that seems like. Those are talent shows on steroids. Sure. They are. Because, I mean, I did tell I was on talent shows when I was, you know, in, in my teens. And that catapulted me to the next point, to the next stage, the next stage. Those talent contests work because there's always somebody out there, a talent scout or somebody that's looking for talent mm -hmm. to do something with, to develop. You know, Justin Bieber, remember? YouTube. That was his story. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's what you got to do. And don't, and don't 
give up. Don't keep on pushing. Don't give up your dream. Follow your dream and follow your heart. 